It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of CT Startup Podcast. This is another uh, podcast in the series of uh, the, the series that we're doing down in Stanford, talking with uh, different people down here in the Innovation Places and uh, Stanford Next. And uh, we are talking with uh, Tip Digital right now. And this is going to be an interesting one because we talked to Tip down in Farmington uh, a few years ago. And so this is kind of the extension of it. And so we have two people on this podcast. Uh, to start, we have Mustafa Anilui. He's the Executive Director of Venture Development and Tip. And then also Margaret Feeney, director of Tip Digital. How are you guys doing today? Very good. Very good. good. Thank you. Yeah. So I'll go to Margaret and tell us a little bit about uh, Tip Digital and what you're doing down here in Stanford. Sure. So I'll just I'll back up just a second and, and talk a little bit about Tip, which Mustafa runs. It's a technology incubation program yep. at UConn. It works with both UConn faculty, student startups, and non-UConn companies. So any kind of disruptive company that's doing something unique and UConn can help, we, we interview them and bring them into the fold. Um, TIP has a wide variety of industries it fo focuses on. Farmington is mostly life sciences, down here in Stanford, software. So most of our companies have an element of artificial intelligence and machine learning. 
uh, more industry agnostic, so they can be fintech, health tech, uh, bunch of utilitech, you name it. Um, and our job is to really pair them with the resources they need to accelerate their growth, uh, to hire people, to create a vibrant community here in Stanford and in Connecticut. Um, it launched in January of this year. And we now have, I think, 17 startups in total, which our goal was five. So we're... That's what I heard. Congratulations on, on reaching the goal. Thanks. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we're so lucky to have such great startups to work with. And I think that's been the really fortunate circumstance. Very cool. So, and, and you kind of got to it, which I'm glad that you uh, kind of mentioned how TIP has a few different locations and Life Sciences is one down in uh, Farmington. And so, Mustafa, can you give a little background on like TIP and what the role TIP plays for UConn and kind of with the, um, you know, education and entrepreneurship and the connection between that. So what role does TIP play for UConn? So my understanding is TIP started in 2003, uh, which is well beyond the time I was with UConn. So it started as a small program in stores with a half of a floor in stores, then eventually expanded in Farmington. And the major expansion came in 2016. I took the responsibility of TIP in 2017. So that's my deep knowledge about what TIP is and what it's doing. And it's, it's one of the elements in the value chain of entrepreneurship and commercialization across the university. There are so many functions, educational functions, including undergraduate students, graduate students, courses, minors, business competition that students benefit from. And then when they reach a point that they want to launch a startup, whether they're a student or faculty member, there was a need for incubate them, place them in an area that has enough resources, they can act like a company. And that was the, the impetus behind TIP. And the state of Connecticut actually financed the expansion of Farmington with the assumption of creating a startup would be economic engine, and that's the model they had. And TIP has shown that that model works very well. In fact, if you look at uh, the activities within the TIP in the past four years, just like Margaret said, that uh, we have surpassed all the metrics that have been specified in terms of number of companies coming in, quality of companies, mentorship, and exit they have had. So from that perspective, I think uh, TIP is filling a piece of the puzzle in the entrepreneurship scheme within University of Connecticut. And uh, the expansion in Stanford is part of that thinking that was planned for a number of years. And it has got off the ground very, very strongly, as Margaret described. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not like you didn't have any challenges, right? <laughs> you know, getting off the ground and, you know, uh, timelines didn't get delayed and, and so <laughs> forth. So. Uh, uh, it, it's good to hear that you exceeded your goals, even uh, despite all that. Um, and so I guess, you know, let's let's talk about that. Like, how has the vision of TIP Digital um, changed within the past couple of years? Like, what, when it was on paper during the big grant and, and kind of putting into the expansion, has it really changed? Has it adapted to kind of COVID or kind of the, the changing environment? Yeah, I mean, I think the underlying mission and vision are the same as they are across TIP, which is find really unique startups and help them grow. I think because of the world we live in now, the ability to be remote and to scale operations appropriately, because if space is not a, a fixed asset to work with, 
um, that's given us a, a lot of opportunity. Um, for example, we work with companies not in Connecticut, but who make a pledge to kind of make their first hire in Connecticut as part of giving back mm-hmm. to the ecosystem. And we only do that because the world is just accepting that we do have a remote uh, way of working now and to take advantage of that. So, so I actually want to uh, want to make sure I'm right with this. So with TIP, do you have to be UConn affiliated to get in, to, to be one of the companies to get in? Because I believe that used to be the case, at least at TIP Farmington, if, if I remember correctly. Affiliation is a very broad term. <laughs> okay. uh, and I think <laughs> Margaret already mentioned that, but since you asked, let me just open it up. <laughs> so if you're a student company, uh, I don't even. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Sorry. So if you're a student company, uh, you are considered uh, appropriate to be in TIP. If you're a faculty company, if you're a UConn alumni that have created a company, if you're not UConn alumni, student, or faculty, but you're creating a company that is going to collaborate but with UConn, hire from UConn then that's the kind of affiliation that entitles them to be at TIP. We do not bring the companies that are just looking for a rental facility and don't, don't want to do anything with UConn. That's not the place. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of great places across the state of Connecticut they can go for you're, that. You're not a district. You're, you are very, you're, you're not just bringing in people to, to co-work and kind of interact. You're saying, listen, we as UConn have um, we have IP that we want to commercialize. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to commercialize this, right? Are you a professor that has an right. idea? That, that type of deal, right? Right. Now, alumni. See, so you kind of mentioned alumni. Now, I I would think that a lot of UConn alumni don't necessarily stay in the state. I, You know, like not as much as, as maybe a central or a southern or, you know, kind of the, the other state schools. So is this a way for you to kind of like pull alumni back into Connecticut? And have, have, have you used it as that? You know, I think it's another way to engage with alumni and keep them part of our community. Uh, a lot of our companies have an alum on the founding team uh, or were started by uh, or the, um, the founding executive is an alum. They have a board member who's an alum. So, again, it's another avenue to keep engaged. And we do get a lot of, which is great, unsolicited reach out saying, I heard about what's going on at TIP. I'm an alum. I have two kids there. Whatever the story may be, how do I get involved? So again, another touch point for the university, which is great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the 17 startups that you did have, how did they How did they come? Did you have to go recruit them? Was it Was it something that it was like the feel the dreams kind of scenario where <laughs> we, we build it and they come or, or what? Uh, yeah. yeah. Definitely was not a feel the dreams. <laughs> yeah. It took us almost three years to from the conception of the idea until the grand opening. So community knew that this is coming along. We have been targeting a number of great companies in the past. And one of the things that we did back in January, we had a very strong grand opening, virtual grand opening to be informed of what that we're coming. And we specifically invited the right players to be on attendance there. So technically speaking, we had lined up, I believe, five companies before the grand opening. So we knew that there are five identified. But as as we are opening up and discussion is opening up, now we have companies that are reaching out to us. We did not pursue them. 
Uh, and that has been the model within TIP, again, that some of them are recruited by us, and some we have been approached by through those innovators. Mm -hmm. Nice. And so, Dan, when I was talking to Dan uh, Schwartz about kind of data and what data means and everything, I'm going to kind of ask the same question. What does digital mean? Like, what is, what is TIP digital? Is it, I mean, everything's digital at this the, point, This right? is a perfect question. Uh, you can buy her book when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> because she's writing a book, so she's going to give you and just it, And it's only going to be a digital copy, right? It's <laughs> only going to be on. I actually love analog, <laughs> so <laughs> um, we'll do both. We'll do yeah, both, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, so to me, it's zeros and ones. It's software. It's it's programmable languages that you that let you do things that you couldn't otherwise do. Um, you know, I think what we see here is um, because we work across industry, different data sets, our entrepreneurs are working with just uh, some within healthcare, again, some within finance. So they're using the data differently. They're asking different questions of the data. Um, when they reach out to our faculty, um, there's specific expertise that they're looking, be it cryptography or, or whatever it is. Um, it's, yeah, so it's fun to see the different uses of data. It's also just fun to see, um, you know, every company starts with a problem you're trying to solve for. And I think people are starting to accept that well, what if we what if you, we solve anything? What if there's a, all problems can be solved, right? If we just think about it a little differently. If you're an optimist, yeah. If you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so data is just a fun piece of that puzzle now where yeah. it probably accelerates things where, you know, maybe 25 years ago it didn't. So so, so one of the things that I got for or like the, so data, right? It's the, it's the word nowadays. You, you, we got to get this data, that data. But it's my understanding is and and i don't come from a data science background is that you can bring in all the data you want but if you don't know what you're looking for or how to use that data or how to uh, apply it to the problem like it's useless right yeah and so is that kind of like the kind of the big crux of everything it's like yeah we can you know like you you start up you're acquiring data now like we're going to help you kind of like figure out how to use that data is that kind of like the one of the value props of tip digital at this point or i would say one of the things we're so fortunate about is our entrepreneurs are all passionate about the field that they work in. Mental health popping to mind is, is yep. one that we have a handful of entrepreneurs who are, who are focused on that. So they're passionate about the subject. They know what questions they want answered and they'll continue to learn and kind of pivot. But um, I think they're just so focused on answering, solving that problem that they're swimming through mounds of data hasn't been that bad they've kind of Yet. they've had a yeah yeah true <laughs> focus path but i think what's so great about what dan is bringing in with the data science fellows and being able to work through some of those issues and then you know mustafa's had an incredible career to help guide a lot of our entrepreneurs who are tackling those issues we have incredible faculty so as they start to swim through that data as they grow and, and kind of get access to more i mean we have the ability help keep them on path to like you said there, there's no paralysis so they don't move forward mm -hmm. yeah and it, that is um again when thinking about like what problems to solve right you have to have that personal connection yes 100%. and then and then that's what's driving them because they know the answer the, the questions that they're trying to answer right right um but 
you need other people to validate that. Yeah. And so, that, and so that's <laughs> yeah. where the data comes in, right? You need yeah. other people to validate those, those exact same answers yes. and everything. Um, so one of the things that, uh, stuff that I want to kind of get to is that like, education right you know uh entrepreneurial education it's kind of like the rave now it's it's kind of one of those weird things too is that it's like how do you teach entrepreneurship right <laughs> and how do you teach to be this then and then most entrepreneurs are like, just let me get out of the classroom let me go do my own thing right so one first of all are you an academic like you come from an academic world correct I was a full-time professor at some point in my life. But <laughs> okay. I came from and you came to the dark side, you're saying? Uh, <laughs> uh, I came through the corporate uh, side of the story to you, okay. but it's still I maintain my academic position. And I love teaching, and I teach entrepreneurship. I've created courses on entrepreneurship in Boston, in Brown I teach, mm -hmm. as well as at UConn. But in what we do in TIP is a bit different way of teaching. You know, sometimes the student takes the course to learn and they get a credit, they get a grade, and once they the course is finished, they move on with their lives. They have multiple courses in a semester. Our teaching, we don't call it teaching within TIP, is more of a guidance and mentorship with the companies, is intended to implement ideas and get the results they are pursuing. So it's a different kind of teaching that we have here. And that is done through our own team, like Margaret is mentoring a lot of companies here at TIP Digital. We have a group of executive in residence, EIRs. Mm -hmm. They are outstanding. They come from a lot of technical executive as well as financial background that helps to guide these companies through. And bear in mind that there is a broad spectrum of innovators within our ecosystem. We have companies created by student startups, and this is the first time they have ever incorporated in anything. Mm -hmm. And they have done their pitch presentation maybe six months ago, nine months ago. Then we have companies that they created by individuals that have created and sold multiple companies. And th th there is a different level of need for that mentorship and guidance that exists within our ecosystem. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always fun to see the spectrum of entrepreneurs because uh, you know I remember signing my first LLC papers. We're a big day, right? Big day. It's a big day. For for uh, for the repeat uh, entrepreneurs, they're like, yeah, we got to get an LLC. It's just like put the five <laughs> paperwork in and let's go. Like then you got to get the bank out. They got to do all this stuff. And like that's just like the the after a while that just gets the minutia of a business, right? I got to do these. I get, like they they seem hurdles when you're a student, but then later on they're just part of part of what we got to do we got to make this thing real got to got to move on um so like when it comes to like entrepreneurial education where what's what's UConn's vision because I know UConn is is big they're growing you guys are doing some phenomenal things um Dan kind of mentioned in a previous podcast about how like the major research institution right that's what U UConn's bringing to Stanford trying to connect the dots here and, and so forth so with everything that's going on with UConn like what's the what's the I guess the, maybe the cohesive strategy for entrepreneurship in, in Connecticut, is there one, is there? When, when you say cohesive strategy, I, I have to create distinction between research and teaching. Teaching as a part of a yep. degree program. We have a number of degrees as well as uh, minors, majors and minors that are covered by multiple schools from the School of Business, Engineering, Nursing, and they are wonderful. Uh, we have business competition. We have uh, Worth Institute for mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship that oversees all the student activities. Organization that we are sitting in as a part of Vice President for Research Office is heavily focused on faculty and graduate students. 
And those are the heavy duty IP, intellectual property that they create. So in that segment, we have educational modules that we are custom make, design for them. Like this, starting this week, we have a program called High Value Talent and Mentors. This is by invitation. There is no place to go sign up for it. You get invited if you have a lot of great publications, patent application, major funding, or something is happening in an external world that suddenly makes your technology innovation exciting. And that's be, this is a closed door, hands-on training session. Starts with a one full day when it was face-to-face, -face, now it's virtual. But post-training, there is a one-on-one -on -one interaction with each of those faculty and researchers as we go through that. So as I mentioned, on the faculty side, we, our approach is a bit different because of the composition of audience that we have there. Mm -hmm. And so is it, it, has it been difficult to get, um, some academics are doing research not to necessarily commercialize, right? They want to solve that problem. Has it been hard to get professors or academics to do, to commercialize their, their IP? Or are there a lot of them that are, I just want to do the research. I don't really have an intent to commercialize. And so you almost have to say, you kind of sitting on a lot of IP, we need to find more entrepreneurs to commercialize this kind of stuff. This is a changing paradigm in higher education. When I was recruited as a faculty member, my job was teaching and research. Nobody asked me to create a startup <laughs> or even file for the patent. So I started going off track when I started my first company uh, from the work that I was doing. But this is almost a commonplace in every university creating a startup based on research, whether a startup that is stay within university or go beyond university. In fact, this is becoming a top differentiators among universities that are recruiting students. You know, we, they usually show you the athletic fields, you know, dining areas, dorms. Then they take you to these maker places. They give you example of student startups, faculty startups to get excited. The new candidates come to university. The other thing that I highly differentiate, this is based on my experience, teaching entrepreneurship is different than doing entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll give you- Sounds about right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pointer and I'll leave it up to you whether you want to put it on your broadcast or not. Uh, Babson College, I don't know if you yep, know where that yep. is. Uh, it's a very small uh, school. In fact, the entire campus is not as big as one football field of UConn. But when you enter, the big banner says, number one university college in US in teaching entrepreneurship. That, that doesn't mean they're most successful graduates, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that in Harvard, MIT, or Stanford. There's no banner like that. <laughs> no, but they see, you want to see, you want to see all, the, all the patents and all the companies that came out of here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that that's a good point. And I guess one, I, I think there's a lot of people that don't realize how much intellectual property universities have. And like, again, from the patents and the research that are done and a lot of, I mean, I assume that there's right now there's, there's stuff sitting on a shelf that, you know, some IP that some entrepreneur could come in here and commercialize. Right. And so, um, so again, I, I do think it's just changing. I mean, obviously when I grew up, um, when I was in high school, 20 years, 15 years ago, um, entrepreneurship is not like the cool thing to do, like, you know, you know, kind of this. And now if you're in high school and you're not flipping sneakers or not doing a side <laughs> hustle, like you're not the cool kid. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, we haven't seen this ebb and flow. And so, 
with that, are you seeing more professors come in saying, I need help, I need help to, or I have this idea, and but I don't know what, like, they're almost coming in as a student saying, I don't know how to, how to start a business. I think the short answer is definitely yes. I'm speaking for UConn. Yeah. Uh, in, and specifically, UConn is recruiting that type of faculty for to come in. One of the characteristics of next generation of faculties, yes, teaching, research, services, these are three common elements that we have. Now, entrepreneurship is the first, the fourth element that is coming in. In fact, UConn has hired four of them in the past 12 months specifically around entrepreneurship and has received funding to recruit 10 more that are at the top of their field in terms of research and knowledge generation but have the angle of entrepreneurship around it. So this this is really a good thing that is happening. Just as a small example, this uh, workshop that I mentioned to you, when we created that uh, three years ago, we limited the number of participants to 10 to 12 per session because we wanted to be hands-on and interactive. The first time we held it, uh, and by the way, we do it in collaboration with other universities, 15 faculty participated. Mm -hmm. The session that we have this Friday, we have 48 faculty. And this is, as I said, by invitation. It's not because it was open and people went around and signed up for it. Mm -hmm. So that shows the appetite in that direction, and we have to hold back sometimes because it gets overcrowded. Overall, it's a very good and positive mm -hmm. direction that we see in UConn. And so what I hear that saying too is that that means you're having more conversation on a daily basis about, hey, I have this idea or I have this kind of this uh, IP that I think there's something there. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, we, we do think there's something there, and we're gonna help connect the dots with people to get you to that point, right? Um, how have you seen mentoring, uh, like the difference between mentoring faculty and students? Because you're in that you're in that game, right? You're both mentoring and advising faculty startups, but also student startups. So how, how do you how do you handle that dif that difference? So we have a few, um, I would call it, student or recent alum mm -hmm. startups. Um, and we have a couple, digital, we have a couple of faculty mentored okay. startups. Um, you know, I think, you know, the similarity is, again, you're passionate about a problem you want to solve and you want to put time and effort into solving it. Um, I think with students, because they're leaving the university environment, um, are, uh, kind of got to gain this life experience through the process. And so they're they're becoming an entrepreneur, but they're becoming, you know. A, a, an adult. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is actually more like sort of really fun to see. Um, so mentor, you know, it's, 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 whereas if you have a faculty member who's been a faculty member for 25 years and they're starting a company, they have very probably specific needs. Um, both are just fun to work with and see grow again because of their passion. But um, I mean, we're fortunate that we just have a great population to work yeah, with. Yeah, and, and the reason why I, I bring up that question is that like over the past year, I've had more conversations with faculty members at universities 
or even deans or assistant deans that are like, you know what? I think it's my time to start a company. <laughs> like, I, I think I might want to go start something or, you know, like they're like, I have this idea and I don't want to wait any longer kind of a thing. And so it's just been very interesting because I, I, again, when I was in college, even my entrepreneurship teachers weren't talking about starting businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it's, it's now like almost everybody's like, I have this idea where I'm working on this little side hustle. And it's like, wow, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. So it's just, and, and they've, they, we've had the same conversation like, well, I don't know how to do this or, you know, I, OKRs, what are OKRs, right? And like, how do I make, make uh, plans for, um, for my product development, right? right? My product roadmap. So it's just, it's just been very interesting to see it just, they're trying to go on the other side of the, of the table. Yeah. I mean, the other nice thing about starting a company in today's environment is like, you can fail really fast, which is a blessing, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. you know, and, um, so when you make it past that fail really fast stage, it's really exciting, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, the odds continue to go in your favor. But yeah, to your point, I think there are folks who have kind of side passions that may be best suited for their own entity mm -hmm. or enterprise. Uh, or not, you know, it depends. Mm -hmm. So you you obviously clearly hit your your five um, uh, company goal here. You exceed that by three x. All right. So let's put the data behind it. Right. It's three x kind of multiplier. Um, what's what's the next year look like for for Tip Digital? And um, are like what what's gonna be what's gonna be happening? And are you looking for other companies to to get involved right now? Yeah. So you know what, what's happened organically is about a third of our companies have been fintech and a third have been uh, digital health. And again, that's without a master plan. So that kind of tells us this is what the environment is kind of uh, the talent pool is producing in a way. Mm -hmm. And so we want to focus on that to make sure not that we only focus on those, but if that is an opportunity for us to serve that population, in a unique way, we kind of want to want to do so and want to gather the resources to be able to do so. Um, mile deep instead of mile wide kind of a thing. If you start yeah, seeing exactly. these kind of different. Yeah. yeah, and and have that be a differentiating factor for us. Um, I think uh, we'll continue to, to look at startups um, on a rolling basis, identify ones that we feel are disruptive and then we can we can get to the next level. Um, but we have a community growing. And that's really fun to see take off because um, that's that critical mass, that flywheel effect that I think every ecosystem is looking for. And we're starting to see it develop. So we're going to focus on that as well, on mm -hmm. building that, continuing to build it. And that innovation flywheel, you just got to get that thing moving. You got to get it moving. And that's then right. Once it keeps going. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and again, some people are like, what is an innovation flywheel? All right. right. Exactly. First yeah. of all, it's a pretty quick book. Uh, you know, it's, I think <laughs> it's, it's a great, it's a great, <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. a great concept to, to yeah. If, if Especially wanna, in software. Yeah. If you want to go for like a 30 minute walk, I think yes. you can get through yeah. it. Um, uh, but uh, it was from the the uh, authors of Good, Good to Great, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so so that's interesting. So, when you say uh, fintech, is is crypto in there? Is DeFi in there, or is that like just straight run of the mill fintech? I think there there is. I mean, we've seen some in the pipeline that are working with digital assets, mm -hmm. cryptography. Um, um, no, like major NFT. Uh, no major uh, yet, okay. but. Sure. I mean, if that's something that, I mean, we feel we can provide, we have a ton of faculty. Actually, we have, we're very fortunate that we have faculty that are 
renowned and, and world known in those areas so that we can provide resources for that. But yeah, again, you know, with companies of a certain stage, customer discovery becomes really important regardless of the product. So if we feel we can help with that in someone who is, uh, you know, starting a, a company that deals with NFTs or anything in the kind of the digital asset world, we want to help with that. Mm -hmm. Now, so are you better suited for a customer discovery product development type business versus a later stage business or even a seed round funded or, or anything? Or Yeah, I mean, I think at, at, we see a natural fit for pre-series A, okay. um, which is a kind of a tricky and, and area seed, today. Seed yeah. rounds right now yeah. used to be series A's back in the you Right, know? exactly. <laughs> like, so. um, but I think, yeah, I, I, I would say customer discovery, product development. Uh, we do have some some EIRs who are uh, have an expertise in that particular area. Um, again, if we can nail that for our companies, their future gets a lot easier because you know, they either find they have, have a customer, a target customer, or they don't, and they have to pivot. So if we can help them do that, then that's great. Mm -hmm. That's a huge win. I have uh, somebody who was on the podcast uh, a few years ago, and we were talking about, um, you know, startups. And it's like, sometimes you you have to kill your startup. Like, that's the, exactly. that's the actual end result. It's yes. like, we don't have a company, and it's okay. Yes. We, figured, we, we went through the process. We don't have a company it's done move on yeah <laughs> like, exactly so like that's like some accelerators some you know they don't really talk about that you know the elephant in the room but it's like you're either getting them to move move forward with the idea get a customer get revenue or this isn't this isn't for us like right. there's no business here let's move on right yes yeah um so so there's uh i always i always like the the companies that like defiantly you know raise their hand and said <laughs> we're, we're closing this thing it's not going to work and Which it's is like good for you good for you i totally <laughs> agree what a great experience yeah yeah, yeah. So, um, so with the master plan that you you all don't have, um, <laughs> when you say what, master plan, yeah, I'm like, oh, please yeah, share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, that you don't have. Yeah. Ha with Tip now having a few different locations around the state, are you trying to cultivate um, like different types of cultures within there based around the industries that you're going? Like life sciences is a little bit different than data. Like, I mean, you're doing uh, some long tail studies there and long tail, you know, medical kind of uh, again, long, long long term thinking. So tell us a little bit about that. Are the, are the cultures different right now at the different uh, tip? Uh? I think that that's a good question. Naturally, because of both the focus areas and the location, there are different type of characteristics. Mm -hmm. uh, to, just to, to give you an example, someone who is working in a biotech environment in Farmington and decides to, let's say it's 2 a.m., I want to do some more work, they cannot go back to the building, open up the animal facility, and bake <laughs> up the rats and start. They can't just do their yeah. experiments? <laughs> experiments. But if you're a computer programmer, you can just uh, fire up your laptop and start coding, and probably your colleagues are up somewhere else in the board. Yep. So that, that creates a different kind of behavior and culture that is suitable for the sector as well as the geography that we have. And that is, I think, well understood, and we value that kind of differentiation. Back to your question about, you ask about digital and data, and sometimes this, the boundaries are not that clear. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, by design, we did not put any vet lab in this building. We, that's not the kind of activities we want to have here. But think about drug development. Mm -hmm. usually needs chemistry, biology, animal work. 
And then there are in silico drug development companies that do not touch any chemicals. Everything is done based on modeling and simulation. Yep. So they are both drug development companies, but one is purely digital, and the other one is the classical conventional drug development company. Mm -hmm. And I think, didn't, uh, didn't Google just, uh, um, I think I heard something that Google announced like they, um, they uh, had um, Google Health. Yes, Google Health, right? And they, they released all the the different DNA strand or you know the different sequencing of, of stuff. And I don't know. Again, I'm butchering this clearly. <laughs> but um, but what you're getting at is that you're like I said, drug companies can just run simulations to get to a certain scenario instead of having to run. You know, once they get to this certain certain simulations, then they throw it into the wet lab, right? And then they do the, the other kind of studies around it, right? I think this is what the drug companies have learned from semiconductor companies. You know, if you go back to 50s and 60s, everything was by trial and error when you put together a chip CPU memory, mm -hmm. but then in eventually they modeled silicon well enough that they could design a multi-core chip on computer before they send it to fab for manufacturing. Uh, yes, modeling silicon is easier than modeling human <laughs> being, but there are a number of parallels that have been very helpful in the life sciences and they're gradually coming online to use those modeling simulation methods for expediting drug development diagnostics and reducing the cost of development of these products and at the end of the day that's the big thing right is is the economic viability of the of these companies and everything and bring down the cost of, of certain things um and so again with the modeling data is obviously a big thing right digital kind of you know uh, putting that into a, a dashboard that you can e easily see and, and understand um Great. So, you know, we're, we're going to be coming up on, on kind of the, the end of this uh, podcast where I assume we're going to be connecting with more tip companies and, and another location for tip that you're going to announce probably in a year or two <laughs> as part of the master plan that doesn't exist. Um, but so so again, so uh, two things. One, how can people get involved in tip digital and what's happening there? And then um, stuff I'd love to hear about uh, tip in general, if there's if there's other kind of call outs for um, for Farmington stores, if, if, uh, if there are there uh, ones over there. So uh, so there's always the Yukon website. They can go to technology incubation mm -hmm. program. Um, there's also a Stanford Data Science Initiative website um, that Dan probably mentioned. Um, you can contact us on LinkedIn, send us an email. However you want to do it, we're really excited to talk to people and see what they're up to. All right, cool. Any, uh, anything happen at the other locations that uh, you want to call out? No, I think uh, just like Margaret said, we invite people to approach us early on and have a conversation. You know, we, many times we discourage people to apply because they are not the right fit, but they usually go with some kind of nugget of advice or connectivity. Uh, and this is valuable for them, valuable for us. And we have had companies that we have pushed back several times, and every time they come back, they have addressed the issues that we have raised with them, and they come back stronger. So that's why we, we want to have that open conversation ongoing. And the other last point that I want to highlight, this is something that we, although we stressed commercialization in what we do in TIP, but there are a number of activities, entrepreneurs that we support that are not intended to create massive financial return on investment. Those are social entrepreneurs that we feel that they're going to create social impacts, although it may not be a big return on investment. So th th these are the elements that we highly support and we already included 
in tip as we speak. Mm-hmm. And that it's kind of interesting. That's like uh, that's like the feel good lab, right? They they got it. They got a product. I think they're they're part of it, but they have such a, like a socially good kind of like mentality to them and everything. What Ryan's putting out there. So um, and uh, yeah, great. So um, well, it was it was wonderful talking to you again. I, I assume I'm gonna be running into you again because it's uh, uh, it's already happened a few times now. Um, and uh, we wish you all the great success uh, in this coming year. And uh, guess what? If you got through the last couple of years, it doesn't matter what's coming on in the future. You can just take it all on and, and just move forward, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you very much. This was fun. Yeah. Bye. Thank you very Bye. much. Thank you. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovation, or some people know it, CI an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com.